The apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. And it appears that they were overwhelmed by the teaching on forgiveness. So they asked for this increase in faith. What Jesus was directing them to do went so far beyond their ability, they knew they needed help. And I really can't blame them. We should all feel a bit overwhelmed by the directives in this passage, like don't be a stumbling block to others. You know, if someone sins against you, rebuke them. Who of us is good at that? And then forgive them an infinite number of times if they, if they sin against you. This is a tall order. In this week's sermon, Pastor Kelly preached on Luke 17, 1-10, where Jesus teaches his disciples about forgiveness. Today, we'll be discussing questions around these verses and more. Stay tuned from Glen Ellen Bible Church. I'm Matt Marone. I'm John Vanderveld. I'm Beth Moss. And I'm Kelly Brady, and this is episode number 193 of the Next Level Podcast. Contend soil, contend soil of my soul. And like oh, it's snowing. Snowpocalypse. Like we knew it was coming. We knew it, and it'll probably happen again. I, I blame so hopeful. a good friend of mine who lives in South Wheaton, Wheaton, who will be remain, who will remain nameless, who put his snow shovels away two weeks ago. Oh, um, that is bad. And has dude, yeah. he jinxed us. That's all. not. Yeah. He did. Yes. I just got a snowblower. I texted him and said, you are to blame. He said, I take full responsibility. Oh. <laughs> I'm not going to shovel. I mean, no. it's going to be 50 tomorrow. Is it? Supposed to. Yeah, it's like 49 it's 60 and this weekend. So. Boy. It, it, uh, it looks, you just drove here and you said the roads were bad, huh? Just, I think I hit it right in the thick of it. Yeah. You know, it was fine. I picked up my kids from school like half hour ago. No problem. And then all of a sudden sliding all over. Oh, no. Yeah. Ugh. So I'm sure it'll even out, but somebody said it was it right like ice right when it started. It was like kind of rain and then frozen, yeah. and those are always mm-hmm. fun. Yep. What? What are you laughing at? Vanilla ice, 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 babe. I don't know why that comes to mind. <laughs> when what somebody r- says the word ice, <laughs> you immediately go to ice, ice, baby. Stop. <laughs> he's just looking for a way to sing. Every week, he's got to find uh, a way to sing. That's funny. I go to immigration. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> and that's where my mind went. Yeah. When you hear the oh. word, uh, yeah, I just, totally. I don't know. You know. Okay. <laughs> I'm just playing word associations here. I right? think right. of diamonds. Is it diamonds? Yeah. Rock the ice. I dare you. Say what you're thinking, John. Right. I dare you. No way. After what we just talked about. Oh, I love you guys. Right, Come on. I'm teeing them up, <laughs> up today, yeah. guys. Nope. In case you haven't noticed, you're teeing them up every week. Yeah. All you got to do is. Take the driver out of the bag. <laughs> All right. So we had a great, uh, great Sunday. Are we doing this thing about T-shirts again? Every week. Every week. Until they're gone. Until they're gone. Okay. Great. Have you, you had any takers? <laughs> I got mine on. Do you? Why are you on I wore mine last night. As an undershirt. <laughs> That's what it's best for. If this you. is so that when Kelly's like, dude, do you ever wear that T-shirt? Yeah. Yeah. I have, I have worn it on that now. T-shirt. It's black. <laughs> did you guys see the bit that uh, was a Gaffigan that did the bit on black where he's like, I don't work out. I just wear black shirts. <laughs> you know, because they just make you look, you know, <laughs> a little more like, yeah, it's more fit. Uh-huh. How many people have uh, picked theirs up or ordered? 15-ish. Have hey. accepted okay, so one when something. I, when I <laughs> like they like we didn't just hand it to them, but they reached out to you and no, said, "No, I'm doing a lot of handing." Uh, right. okay. No, he bought a T-shirt people. cannon the other day. <laughs> this is like a T-shirt a, cannon. This is awesome. <laughs> Worship in the park, <laughs> baptism. <laughs> yeah, that's how uh, it's going to become our baptism shirt. It's it, black, so it can be right. worn while wet. 
They're going to uh-huh. be in the yeah. back, in the closet. If you spontaneously want to get baptized, you're also going to rep the podcast. <laughs> All right. That's For awesome. those who aren't laughing at me. Is this kind of like the welcome book? Yes. Where we're at the end, end of a sudden we're like, man, we had like 15 welcome books like for guests out there, and they're all gone. What happened? And then we realized that Kelly, Kelly went into the welcome center, picked up a stack of his books, walked the crowd, and handed them out to people in the room. Oh, oh, that's where they went. We only had one long time at members. They look at it, and they see his name on it, and they're like, uh, you, oh, oh, you, you wrote, wrote it. No, it's the people who stopped giving up. Kelly when gives you, them a book every oh week. God. and when you Wrap them up and bring them to your family. <laughs> <laughs> okay, this is no Wrapped joke. in no, a no, shirt. Okay, what were you going to say? I interrupted <laughs> you and I felt like it was going to be funny. In celebrate, no, it wasn't. In oh. celebration of the 200th episode, get your free podcast t shirt. That's all I have it's an to advertisement. say. Mm-hmm. I yes. mean, they are cool looking, I think. Yeah. Like, you know, I don't know if I'm in they're full free. dad they're mode the right here, but they're, they're cool. They're a cool shirt. Mm-hmm. I wore mine last night. All my kids noticed. Yeah. Out of the house? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, when I was like, I'm done, I'm not going out, and this I put on my yeah. pajamas. Exactly. It was part of your pajamas. You made popcorn, you were watching TV, and you were in your shirt. Yeah. Uh-huh. 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 Oh, that's great. It's priceless. It was perfect. Oh. Baptisms. Baptisms coming up next week. I am really pumped. How cool was it for you to say we have nine That's fun. That's awesome. I think it might not Lord, be fully nine. <laughs> oh, okay. It's, it's a preacher's nine, which yeah, means it's a, pre- it's a preacher's nine. nine. <laughs> like a baker's dozen. We're trying to name it and claim it. If we just name nine, right. it'll be nine. Okay. <laughs> if you're listening. Because you have wanna, faith of a yeah, mustard seed. Absolutely. We have space for nine. Yeah. We have schedule. <laughs> That's what I meant to say. <laughs> Yeah, three services, three people a service. There you go. Works out great. No, we've we have uh I think we have at this point, I think we have six oh. adults confirmed. Mm-hmm. And then uh That's amazing. There might be a couple a couple more that are considering and awesome. Yep, hope hopeful. So good. Yeah. Very cool. Uh and Sunday's yesterday services were, were they were really good. I, I enjoyed um Becca and and Sherry led again, and um, I actually just got to play some electric yeah. guitar and just kind of be in a more of a supportive role. And Good. it was just it was really nice. I, I enjoyed that. I thought they did a great job. And um, and the eleven thirty was eleven um, thirty was a lot of fun. So like, we did a we did a, a little invite invited people back to church video that went out last mm, week, it and I think have a good effect. Yeah, I, heard, I actually heard from a, a few folks that said it was really helpful to send that out. Kind of got me to remember how long it's been and mm-hmm. so it was des- if you didn't see it you can go to our youtube channel and uh take a look at that video it just basically kind of invites people back that have that are able to come back and kind of expresses the value of community and yeah, church is yeah. not just consuming but it's engaging and participating and i didn't mm-hmm. see the actual numbers yet but it felt like that was the the biggest 11:30 we've had oh, so for sure. far yeah. right uh-huh yeah that's so great. keep it coming. Yeah, keep do coming. you There's have plenty of room okay, left good. at the eleven thirty, right? Yeah. yeah. And so, so keep them coming, man. Come to eleven thirty. Mm-hmm. Okay. What percentage of our congregation, John, do you think has returned to in-person worship? I think that we are still in about the 40, uh, 40, 40 to forty-five percent have made their it way seems back. Right. It, uh, it's it's a little bit challenging because it's it's actually nice because of registration. Right. You can. We, we can see the actual, like, registered and signed up and checked in numbers and all that. 
Um, but sometimes, um, you know, somebody maybe came back and then they, they still haven't, they haven't come back in, you know, yeah. six, eight weeks or something like that. So to say that 40% are back worshiping would be inconsistent. Weekly. Yeah. yeah that's not the case. But. Would, yeah. That would be in a, incorrect. But roughly on a given Sunday, based on our numbers before COVID hit, we are on a given Sunday reaching about 40 to 45% of our, of our number. And I think so. that's uh, the norm. That's what I'm hearing from other churches. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're not an outlier there and mm-hmm. eager to uh, get that number up. And, and we need, you know, we need to be honest too. I mean, we, ca- we have reached capacity for, I don't know, six weeks straight now. As far as spacing. In our, in our two most popular. So the nine o'clock and the ten fifteen, which is closest to our normal service times and when people would normally come to church. And so there may be people that bump into, you know, they, they go to sign up late and it's already full, which they is, don't want their, which is a they bummer. Don't come in it's really right? hard, but if I really appreciate the people coming at 1130. Um, it, it siphons off folks from the first two service, which is helpful. It opens up those spots. Yeah. All right. Let's get into some questions. First question. Hey, since you're going to answer it, I'll read it. Okay. I actually have a question first. Since we were talking about the three services, is there childcare at the 1130? Was there a time or um, Sunday Ooh, school? Was question. there a time? I thought there was only Sunday school at some. So if people are considering coming, what are their There kid is options? children's ministry at the first two services. Okay. And it's limited to, I think, 48 uh, kids in preschool, elementary. And then there's an additional... Typically, there's 12, but sometimes it's only six for nursery. It just depends on volunteers. So we could still use quite a few children's ministry volunteers. Mm-hmm. So, And we need volunteers to help kids move up and down the stairs and throughout the building and all sorts of ways you can plug in. So. Okay. All right. Our first question is really for Matt. Is there a way to access or purchase the Let Me Be Still worship song that's often sung on Sunday mornings? My daughters and I will often uh, sing it during the week and we'll love to listen and sing it together. Thanks. Um, yeah. Uh, yes and no is the, the answer to the question. First off, this is great because um, this is actually an original song that uh, my wife and I wrote. And we are, um, and it's great that this person is feeling like we've sung it a lot because we've only sung it a couple times, I think. Um, <clears throat> so right now we are in the process of recording it with uh, some of our GEBC worship ministry and also a producer named Drew Elliott who is going to mix and master it. And then once it's done, we will release it uh, in, on, in video format on YouTube. And then we'll also get it up on like Spotify, Apple Play, whatever. Haven't really figured all that out yet, but we will make it available so folks can stream it. Um, but until then, you can actually hear the song on uh, GEBC's YouTube page it's one it's we did it for an online service on february 14th and it happens right after grant's sermon so that's our online service uh, february 14th 2021 so yeah um that's exciting that song is uh, um yeah, it's cool that somebody's wondering yeah asking. yeah the lord has been uh, as far as songwriting goes the lord has actually been putting a lot of songs um on my heart, on Jennifer's, and a few other people in the ministry have been writing stuff. So I don't know where that's going, but I, I, I like the idea of um, of mm-hmm. some music coming out of our church that's from our church. Mm-hmm. I think that can um, 
offer different ways to, to minister in different, you know, different avenues. So yeah, that's really cool. Thanks for asking. Uh, next question. When someone hurts us or offends us, it seems like there are times when we should address it or rebuke the other person. But there are other times when we should just not let it bother us and move on. Where do we draw the line? And there are some verses that seem to suggest as much. I'm thinking of verses like Proverbs 12:16, the prudent ignores an insult. And I think this is a great uh, kind of just um, real-world application of, of biblical wisdom here. I do, you know, who's going to refute Proverbs 12:16? It, it is prudent. It is wise to ignore a certain amount of insults, I think. So I agree that there are times when we can simply overlook offenses and I believe that there are times when we need to rebuke folks and call them. So the question on the table is when? How do we know the difference? And I think the best way to tell the difference is, is how the offender's behavior is affecting not only the one offended, uh, but the offender as well. What, what's it, In other words, when someone sins against me, there's a certain sense of I, I need to be cared for, but the one who's sinning against me also needs a certain amount of care. Mm -hmm. And the community that, that we're both in needs care. And so we overlook, I'll give you an example, you know, we overlook bad behaviors in two-year-olds all the time. Just because, you know, we count the cost of disciplining the two-year-old and we say, well, he's a two-year-old, he or she will grow up and they'll, they'll get out of this. But then there also comes a time when we realize that letting them get away with a certain behavior is not in their best interest. And it's not in the best interest of the family that this two-year-old's a part of. And I think the same uh, needs to be said when, when, we're when we've been hurt. I would consider rebuking someone and doing it out of love when I'm concerned that letting, of, letting them off the hook isn't in their best interest or in the community's best interest. And I, I think that just takes some weighing. And so, you know, I would say absorb some of the insults as best you're able. Uh, there's prudence there. There's wisdom there. But at some point, we need to speak up and say something because it's, it's not only best for me, the one who's getting hurt, but others. Mm -hmm. And you, what would you put in the weighing? Weighing of what? I, I mean, I think patterns looking for, yeah, if someone offends you once, but then if there's a pattern, what else would you say to look to for weight? Yeah, so uh, frequency, for sure. Like if, I, if, I, if I'm around a person all the time and they're constantly doing this, um, maybe it's a, a verbal, you know, I feel put down about the T-shirts that I put together or something <laughs> like that, then I may uh, confront somebody about that. I repent. <laughs> I'm not ready to repent. One, ah, yeah. <laughs> That's going to need a rebuke. <laughs> I'm gonna need, you're going to go uh, all Matthew 18 on it. <laughs> uh, frequency, and then I, you know, um, and then severity. I mean, mm -hmm. there is some, you know, we're just, we're constantly, I think, all day long counting the cost about when we're going to speak up and invest energy and when we're not. And, and so... Kids are the best example, right? <laughs> our kids are growing. They're learning. Um, they want to grow and learn. They don't want to be in our house forever. They want to grow up and, and go on and be an adult. So, But sometimes we just know that some behavior cannot be overlooked. So the severity of the behavior. Uh, so, 
I was visiting a friend. This was quite a while ago. Uh, they had a five-year-old. The five-year-old five is frustrated. They can't find what they want to wear to school. It's school time. They're getting ready from school. I'm down in the living room, and upstairs I hear, I can't find my damn pants. It's the five-year-old. <laughs> I wonder where they learned that. Yeah. So, I, so uh, the friend I'm visiting says, I'll be just a moment. And he heads upstairs. I mean, he's not going to overlook that. That's not I hope this was a pastoral <laughs> visit. That makes the story so it's, great. It was priceless. So I, I'm not sure what to say with regard to severity. That's, that's so personal. Like, but Do you I, think one of the things, the big deal here is, is for us to understand we discipline one another, and discipline happens all the time. We discipline one another not only because I don't want to be hurt, because I don't want the other person to continue in sin. It's what's in their best interest as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think there's like a there's a there's a line in there somewhere, right? Like we each have, or each relationship sort of has, where mm-hmm. it's like, I mean, we all know that the people, the person that like, again, we're gonna go to kids because kids is just it's just easy to safe. Yeah, and and I can think of other situations, but. You know, it's like we would have, you know, a kid comes home and they're out playing with their friends down at the, you know, the park or the field or whatever. And it's like, well, you know, Billy said, um, you know, I'm not very smart. I'm an idiot. And you're like, well, are you? You're like, well, no. Well, then don't worry about what he says. Like, go back to yeah. play. Like, it doesn't, you don't have to like... You know, but if Billy punches him in the nose, well, if it gets over and <laughs> right. over and over and over, yeah. it's like, okay, yeah. but we can all think of situations where stuff like that happens. And it's like, oh, then, you know, the dad or mom is out of the house and they're knocking on the door and they're in it. It's like, just <laughs> listen, <laughs> like not everything goes to like nuclear, you know, with like every offense. Like we're so easily like offended by people's comments or what they say or, you know, it's like. Things can just get so revved up, and it's so easy for, I think, our kids to, especially, you know, they take, it can take offense, and it can really crush them, and so I think there's some value in, like you said, you know, endure a little bit, get a little bit of a thick skin, you know, like, don't, don't make everything what, what everybody, yeah, what everybody says about you, don't let that affect you so much, you know, be, be your own person, you know who you are, you, you know, and so I have a good story. A guy went on vacation. He works in a large company. And um, in these large companies, I didn't know this, but um, office size matters. It says something about your position. And then there's also a carpet, grade of carpet in this company matters. Really? Executives, certain executives get this grade of a uh, grade above in their carpet and in their cabinetry in their offices. Okay. Yeah. So he goes on vacation. Wait, was this like 1950? When no. I mean... <laughs> No, this was, yeah, this was this millennia, early 2000s. So he goes on vacation. He's gone for two weeks. While he's gone, the office next to his, that they share a wall. The executive in that office had the wall removed and expanded his office into oh, this man's oh office. To make it a little smaller? To make his office his larger. Bigger. Yeah, yeah. And, and this guy's smaller. smaller. Wow. Power my, move, dude. That's a power move. And, that's a, and yeah. my buddy decided, I'm not going to say anything. Just gonna let it go. Love your new office. That's be, that. That's <laughs> awesome, dude. My grandma, she's my. She was interesting, but she used to say, "Just kill him with kindness." 
<laughs> it was like, Grandma, I don't know if that's really how that's supposed to work. But it worked, man. Like if somebody wronged Love you. your new office. Oh, dude, your new office is sick. You totally expanded. This looks awesome. Yeah. Way to go. You know, they're just like, dang it. <laughs> Kill him with kindness. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Isn't it true, though, like. I feel like we like a little bit culturally, we feel like we need to like reconcile and like figure out and like fix everything that's ever wrong. Right. Yeah. Like anything that's ever wronged you. It's like we got to like make it, you know, justice. Yeah. In there, and I get it. Like I get justice and I get caring for the other person and their soul state and all that kind of stuff. And, I, and again, I'm not saying just be a doormat. I thought you actually did a great job of kind of nuancing that out. But I do think there's a there's a, a lesson of. um like you said, endure some of this, get some, get well, and a I thick you, skin and yeah, count and your cost, right? Count right. the cost of right. the energy needed here yeah. too. Right. Good word, Kelly. Thank you. All right. <laughs> For wearing the t-shirt. I appreciate it. <laughs> All right. Let's, uh, let's go to the next question. Do you really think it was wise of King Louis to forgive folks that had imprisoned him? I tend to side with his officials who urged him to seek revenge or at least to put those offenders in prison. Seems like that if government officials were simply to forgive everyone, that we would have chaos in the streets. Hmm. Yeah, you know, I, the role of government is without a doubt to restrain evil. Romans 13 covers it. I, I'm assuming that the king's forgiveness did not encourage further rebellion or weaken his governance in any way. So I, I get what the question asker is, is saying here. Uh, I think he, he must have felt enough strength in his throne at that time mm-hmm. to let him off the hook in a manner that didn't jeopardize the citizenry. Because I, we, I, I do think it's possible, though, to both forgive and hold people accountable. In other words... The message of forgiveness and the infinite nature of forgiveness, the lavish forgiveness were to extend to each other, does not compete with the fact some people need to go to jail. Right. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I would assume that he could both show mercy, King Louis could of the 12th, he could have shown mercy and put these guys in jail. Uh, I mean, he could have, you know, taken their lives, I suppose. Oh, I mean, yeah. he's a monarch. I guess you, you don't know what the what the full freedom right. was, right? Yeah. 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 Um, Which I, I always think um, it just immediately popped into my head when, so I got to hear your sermon before Sunday. Yeah. And it, as I was thinking about it that afternoon, <clears throat> after I had heard it on Thursday, it's like the, the idea of pardon is really fascinating mm-hmm. to think about. Like culturally, you know, like the use of, of the pardon mm-hmm. in yeah. people's lives. I mean, and Trump we, let dozens we, off the hook. Yeah. And every president, office. I mean, sure. it happens, yeah. uh, you know, in all different kinds and, and, and it's a, it's a very, um, it's loosey goosey in terms of like what, like there's no vetting. I mean, I guess they mm-hmm. can, they can, the Congress or something can vote I don't to, know. to veto a pardon or there's some kind of really process. Um, I, I think, but it's like a two thirds, you know, it's not just like a majority, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's a process. Like I think, you know, almost a hundred percent of all pardons happen, but it's, um, like you're, you talking about pardon was really, it was a, it was a symbol used by 
Louis to yeah. to show this grace and how culturally now it's like a political move. Right. Yeah. It's right? And just like the difference yeah. between those two and yeah, how I mean, powerful a pardon mm-hmm. truly is in somebody's life. You know, like. Yeah. Man. I think that's a really good point because in this Louis, you know, situation, it seems powerful mm-hmm. and merciful, but probably because this question asker may be thinking like what you were saying, it's a political move. Yeah, Maybe right. it was partially a political move, but it feels like I'm going to do this and it's going to show the power of my, you know, throne. Mm-hmm. It's going to show that I'm merciful and show part of my character. It's going to lift up Christ because he, yeah. he, he enunciates or he details the fact that he's doing this as Christ had forgiven him. and mm-hmm. Makes me think of Gladiator. Am I not merciful? <laughs> I thought you were going to say, are you not entertained? No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was thinking about it. There's just a ton of grace in what King Louis did. And I was thinking about it the other day. Like, gosh, man, our, it feels like society-wise, we are just becoming more and more graceless. Mm-hmm. There's just no room for grace in the conversation anymore. It's just something happens. Someone did something. You're, you're done. There's mm-hmm. no grace. There's no forgiveness. And I also... Along with that, I think you're spot on that, and as a result of that, there's there's no uh, gentle conversation. Right. In other words, we we remove ourselves from relationship very quickly mm-hmm. when offended, rather than engage with them in conversation about, hey, this hurt. Mm-hmm. Um, we we withdraw and. We throw stones from afar, basically. We'll talk about them rather than talk to them. Um, The art of conflict resolution, civil discourse is what's really lost. And civil discourse means everything, I I disagree with you on this, here's what I'm thinking, to this hurt. I think you're out of bounds here. You can't treat me that way. Um, and, And because we're an increasingly harsh, severe, critical culture in America, you know, the whole cancel culture is, uh, mm-hmm. I'm not even listening to you. You have nothing to offer. You're removed from all dialogue. You can't mm-hmm. weigh in. I mean, that type of culture. And yet at the same time, which is so weird at the same, I, cause I a thousand percent agree. And at the same time, how reluctant are we to call people out on things? Oh, absolutely. Right. Culturally that are an absolute disaster and train wreck. Yeah. And we just say, I don't know. I'm, gonna talk I'm not going to talk about like, that. We can't, you know, yeah. we don't want to cancel them or whatever, whatever. You, yeah. We don't want them to get really mad or whatever. I can even, I can just think even over the last few years with like social media and all that garbage, just like now you, like you think so much about how, like if somebody is, how am I going to be perceived? Right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. And if somebody is clearly in the wrong and multiple people say they're in the wrong, someone's got to say something to them. The dance now, yeah. right. Yeah. That goes on of like, okay, do I email them? Because the paper, trail. Them. <laughs> yeah, paper, the paper trail. trail. Oh my gosh. And yeah. you and I were just talking about something like this the other yeah. day where you're like, how actually I use this person. I use the strategy of kind of a, uh, I don't remember how the you said slap. it, the back slap. Instead of like, if I email them, it feels really confrontational. Or if I tell them, Hey, I need to meet and talk with you. Yeah, let's go out to breakfast. I got something I want to cover. It feels like right. a big deal. But if I just mm-hmm. in passing pat them on the back and say, Hey, you know, you might want to not, 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 you know, you know not hey, do this, this anymore. Or that. Yeah, or watch what you're saying here or whatever. Then it gives it the appropriate weight. Yeah. Like we have to weigh those things we out do. We now. We nuance it all. Yeah. Which we 
I feel like it was not that way, you know. I mean, maybe there's always been conflict issues, yeah. but yeah, I think there probably has. But it, I, it just the, the lack of civil civil discourse right. combined with the be who you want to be, do whatever you want to do. No one should be judging anyone. Like the the mesh of those two is just fascinating. Sherry and I will be married thirty years this September. Praise God. Wow. In year three, the wheels came off the wagon, and we went and got some counseling. And the counselor worked with us for about nine months. And the description was, you, you lack some tools in your toolbox, and you're trying to build a home, and you're not going to get it done with the tools you currently got. And we both came from divorced homes, and we just and the tools we lacked were conflict resolution tools. Uh, if you can imagine, I was very aggressive in conflict, and she retreated. And it's really hard to work anything out when I'm powering up and she's running away. So the, for months and months, we had a regular process of sitting knee to knee. And it's what 12-steppers would, would call clearing the vessel or cleaning the vessel, where you share, and it takes maybe two minutes, uh, what's going on and how you're feeling about the other today and has any offenses been absorbed. And so that, we don't do that anymore, but we have, we have the tool. We can break that tool out at any moment and, um, and sit knee to knee and do the work of, here's where I feel alienated by you. And, and I think a lot of folks don't have those tools. And, and that's like the most important relationship Yes. Relationship in the entire, right. in your entire worlds. Right. In your, you know, fit person, you know, physical human relationship. Yeah. And then just, just spiral that out. If it's yeah. not existing well, within our own our marriages kids? and children and, and we're afraid to call people out and we're afraid to, you know, yeah. talk and, mm-hmm. and, and, and don't know how to address go to somebody? our concerns, <laughs> just spiral that out to coworkers and right. Beth, I thought you did really good. Do you remember your girls had a, they were feeling on the outside of a relationship recently, mm-hmm. and you took them to prayer. Mm-hmm. Um, I just thought that that was great. Mm-hmm. You were encouraging the, to engage, not withdraw, yeah. mm-hmm. and to begin with prayer. We had them begin with prayer and then shut down the text drain. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we, we said, um, instead of trying to resolve this via text, oh, yeah. you well, need why? to kind of insist that you meet in person. And they actually got a lot of pushback from it. Their friends did not want to meet in person. And then once they did, um, their, all their friends overwhelmingly were like, wow, you guys, like, we were afraid that you were going to come yelling at us, which anyone who's met my girls. Right. Like, that's Do insane. they yell? <laughs> <laughs> They're like the most tender little yeah. though-ish. Um, but you guys really articulated yourselves well. We understand where you're coming from. That's they were awesome. able to very yeah. easily resolve it when they came together to do it. Um, I'll give you a lost art. So Rachel, my youngest played, uh, Wheaton wing soccer and Mm -hmm. came up through that system and played high school. Anyway, um, I'll never forget, uh, one of the coaches she had, uh, was either you love this person or you didn't love this person. And she parents kind of divided on either side. Well, this parent calls this meeting. And she, she on the sidelines, calls this meeting on the sidelines oh, no. and wants to um, confront the coach as a parent group. Well, I step into the meeting not realizing that that was the goal. So I'm standing there. 
and it's a group of about 10 parents, and then the coach shows up, having been whistled, you know, hand-waved over, come be a part of this, mm-hmm. and this, this parent starts accusing the coach of mishandling this or that, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And the coach starts, she breaks down and cries. She's mm-hmm. crying, and I don't, I mean, ugly cry. The coach ugly cries? Mm-hmm. Yes. Wow. Didn't see and that I coming. said, hey, uh, this, I'm surprised about it. I haven't heard anything about this. And then I, I turned to the parent who had organized the whole thing, was orchestrating and, and down berating the coach. I said, have you ever talked to the coach about this before? Mm-hmm. And, the, and the parent goes, no. I said, oh, this meeting's over. <laughs> you need to talk to her one to one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then I, you know, grab the coach, walk her away from the group. It's just, um, we don't, it's either, why is it either withdraw or beat the tar out of? Why are those the two uh, options yeah. in well, our Well, and with conflict? social media, you can both withdraw and beat and the tar bombs. out of somebody, right? I mean, people <laughs> so feel true. like, like yeah. I I'm removed, but yet I can yeah. like say whatever I want. I think that's a, a piece of it all. Yeah. yeah. And we've removed, you know, in, I love that you said, Beth, and, and this is, this is true kid relationships but adult relationships family everything is meet in person turn the electronic Mm. stuff off if it starts to feel not right with you it's getting heated you're misunderstanding because with electronic communication i mean even the the telephone is is better get on the phone with each other because you can at least hear voice inflection and things like that but Mm -hmm. body language is like a huge part of communication and understanding how somebody actually really feels and when you just I've been when in you're some texting each other. Mm-hmm. <laughs> these these face to face meetings are pivotal, and then even keeping the peace in those meetings. I mean, there are some, you know, we're talking about fairly petty issues, soccer practice and teenage girl issues, but there can be some real wounds absorbed oh, yeah. out there in the life, and oh, yeah. you get you get two or three players in a room, and I've been in rooms where the tension escalates quickly. One of the so it's great to meet face-to-face, but even when you meet face-to-face, you need someone skilled sometimes. Mm-hmm. You need a referee, mm-hmm. someone that cares for everybody in the room. And as, as watching, I'll never forget an elder taught me, hey, we're going to have this meeting. If anybody stands up, the meeting's over. <laughs> you must remain seated at all times. If or when someone stands, we're done. Mm-hmm. And the reason was, you, it's very hard to throw a punch when you're seated. But the minute so, a, the minute a man stands up, things are... You're close to out of control. Okay. Good advice. Yeah. So I, I really, and it's a small thing, and, you know, we don't want to be in meetings where punches are thrown, but we all know that there are wounds absorbed that are large enough that provoke us to physical action. Let's go back to those kind of elder meetings. Boom. That's <laughs> what I'm but talking John's about. like, I didn't get to Everybody's got to stay seated because we're not throwing punches tonight, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Remember last week? It wasn't <laughs> an elder meeting. I know. I know. <laughs> uh, this is um, interesting what you were saying about how you can do both. You can retreat and you can th- like, I've just been thinking about this all. I guess I brought the whole thing up thinking about it in terms of how opposite it is from, from the character of God, from his eminence, mm-hmm. right? Like coming into this situation, conflict. being here, yeah. coming directly into it mm. and just wondering like, um, and hopefully uh, we're seeing we're seeing examples of grace and forgiveness in our marriages and stuff, but we're definitely not seeing it in the public sector, mm. right? We're definitely not seeing it in the headlines. And so I was just wondering about it from a, a communication standpoint from, you know, from the pulpit, right? From, from church leaders, like if you were talking about the grace of God, how will that be met by a generation of people who, uh, 
they they don't have a lot of examples of it. They don't have a, like. Will it be refreshing? Will it be? That's my hope. That's this, that's like, where I go. Oh my gosh, what is this? Or, that's or will it be like? Lies. What is this? You know what I mean? Like yeah. Anyway, that's a know. beautiful um, possibility, right? As an apologetic, almost look at how the church handles conflict resolution, as an uh, as a yeah. uh, a draw for the community to be a part of. Yeah, yeah I mean, we, we have, have healthy. Work to do there, right? We have healthy conflict resolution, but then we also have the Babylon Bee to, to laugh at ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> right. I you know, it's a, interesting. I got some feedback recently that uh, someone felt my pulpit ministry of late has been a little heavy-handed. They're feeling um, a little heavy-handed. There, Kelly. A little, <laughs> a little, yeah. They slapped me on the back Beyond and they said, "Lighten up." Slapped me on the back, getting a little heavy-handed there. <laughs> And I just, um, you know, that's certainly a possibility. I, I don't want to be a part of a bully pulpit. Um, mm-hmm. so yeah, I would, I would love for the pulpit ministry to be a place of grace, um, even in, not simply in the words, but in the posture. Um, it's, anyway. it's tough, man. Cause it's, it's hard to strike. Oh, my goodness, because what feels hard right and posture. heavy to some can feel so right. enlightening and freeing yeah. to mm-hmm. others. Yeah. It, you know, it just... Well, and also to be fair, we've been in Luke for a, what a Ever? year, and I mean, like, yeah. I mean, take it up with Luke. <laughs> yeah, take it up with Luke. Take it up with take it up with Jesus, because he doesn't. I mean, no, but fourteen I get through can, you, fourteen through fluctuate. nineteen of Luke, not easy, right? In terms of teaching, I mean, who he's running into, what he's calling sure. Pharisees to, yeah. and I mean, there's a lot in there. Yeah, um, heavy ministry yeah. and. It, it could be that, you know, uh, the suburban culture, it's hard, the verse-by-verse verse, uh, trudging through a gospel. But it could also be my, it could be my posture in the pulpit, yeah. so I'm praying about that. I could understand, especially in the last year and a half specifically, that you come to church and you just want to hear some, I mean, you hear the good news every Sunday, but you want to feel the good news every yeah. Sunday because some week, you know, this last year and a half has just been... Yeah. You know, so tough. So yeah. I could I could understand something like that. Um, you know, the next couple questions uh, are are kind of one and the same. They kind of go along with what we've been talking about. So, in this next question, can you give some tips on soul care um, when you're in a situation where you are consistently sinned against by the same person and forgiveness is never asked for? Um, this person says they are a believer, but actions do not show it. And I think this is fairly common. I think of divorce situations um, where um, one party feels beat up um, and then, you know, uh, it can go on for some time. I, I think of business partnerships that dissolve and people feel uh, attacked, uh, undermined. So, yeah, if, if you have rebuked a person and they don't repent... If you shared with them, I think this is how you're hurting me, and you're you're not acting in a godly fashion toward me, then I would say you need to remove yourself from harm's way. I I don't think it brings glory to God for us to continually offer ourselves for victimization. So when you ask for what are some steps to soul care, one of them is I, do your best uh, to not interact with this person as much as you're able. Um, and that, and do that, remove yourself from harm's way while remaining soft-hearted toward what the Lord might do in this person's life down the road. So in this context, the person who is offending someone else is saying they're a believer, 
and is acting offensively at someone and is never asked for forgiveness. Right. It's like it's, it's not on their radar. Right. Or they don't think they're acting badly or they don't mm-hmm. care or they think mm-hmm. this person deserves it, perhaps. Yeah. Um, I, I would say remove yourself from harm's way as much as possible. Interact with this person less and less. Uh, and if you're forced to interact with them, if it's a work relationship or, um, you know, an ex-spouse, this is really common among uh, uh, divorced couples, um, then if you are, you're in a situation where you have to interact with him, uh, this person, then, then I would say you need a go-to phrase when you're ready to exit. I mean, I've, I've had relationships where anytime I'm going to see this person, if, if it goes sideways on me, I know how I'm, I'm going to get out of the room and, and be done with it. And so, hey, as long, so it, it goes something like this. Hey, it, it seems like this isn't going well. Let's circle back to this another time. I got to go. You know, it's just, it, it rolls off. You're ready to go. It's, you know, you're, so something, if you're forced to interact with him, be ready to, to pull the ripcord and get out of there. I think that's really good advice is just in the preparedness is empowering too. So you're ready for it and mm-hmm. you feel like I, I was able to get out and keep that boundary when I needed it. So I think that's really great advice for for all sorts of different types of relationships and situations, but being prepared before you walk in. I, you know, it's not uncommon. Uh, it's sad, but it's true for the exchange between parents of children to take place over at the police department under the cameras over there. Um, and, and so, and I just, that's a preparedness posture to use your word mm-hmm. so that everything is, everybody is kept accountable for their behavior when the kids are exchanged. And, you know, you have little kids and you've got a tense situation, a divorce situation. It's easy for things to escalate. And so first is remove yourself from harm's way. Second is uh, going with a preparedness plan. I love that, Beth. Uh, that's empowering. Uh, if a way you're going to get out if, if it goes sideways. Um, let's see. Um, I would, I would say it's important to find a supportive community, someone that you can bounce the insanity of the situation off of, someone that hears your side. Uh, maybe that's a professional counselor. Maybe that's a small group. Maybe it's, you know, a group of guy friends. Um, and then I would also, I would find some scripture that identifies or helps you address the truth of the situation, something that you're committing to memory, that you're meditating on, this person asks, how can I care for my soul? Well, God's word cares for your soul. Fellowship cares for your soul. Um, removing yourself from future victim- victimization, that cares for your soul. Being prepared uh, to address a situation if it arise, arises, you know, that cares for your soul. Um, Kelly, what about lament? Yeah, cry. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, on Wednesday nights and Sunday mornings, we're going through the lament psalms because it's Lent. And there, you know, there are seven-ish lament psalms. Um, that just talk about how David or the psalmist felt uh, God was not defending them. Where are you, God? How long will you let my enemies um, have victory over me? And they're just tear-filled psalms about, God, why are you allowing this? I think, absolutely, that'd be a great exercise. And so what if, as sort of the next question, but what what if maybe um, the person continues sinning against somebody, but they... um, but they do ask for forgiveness, and there, there is, you know, but it kind of continues still. Uh, 
mm-hmm. and they keep adding that. And, you know, like Jesus said, seven times 77, whatever, right? Right. Yeah. Just infinitely, you should yeah. forgive them. But does that necessarily mean you need to continue on in the relationship? I mean, what if the, this person is asking for continuous forgiveness, but the yeah. action is still happening? Yeah. So I don't think that we're obligated to be best friends with anybody. Um, in other words, I can forgive somebody and I can be open to the restoration of relationship, but I can also be realistic if, if there's, if there's, um, you know, sometimes there are such bad habits in relationship that we need a break from people. And so you don't have to be best friends with everyone. If someone repeatedly sins against you, um, and forgiveness and repentance has taken place. They don't. They say they don't want to sin against you, but they keep cycling through that. It's okay to keep your distance. You're, in fact, I think it would be foolish to put yourself in harm's way again. So, I think it's it's wise if if you can if you can remain soft-hearted about what God might do in their life someday, open to the hope of restoration and reconciliation. Uh, but realistic about the bad habits that are in the relationship so that you're not putting yourself in harm's way. And then if they come to you and they say, let's rebuild trust or however they say it, you know, if they, if they say, could we try again? I would go really slowly. Um, it takes time to establish mm-hmm. uh, new habits of relating when they're historically, the habits in the relationship are abusive. Um, and don't go that route alone. No. Yeah. I mean, I involve somebody. Get a therapist yeah, or someone who. Or, yeah. And, or it, it, depending on the abuse type and situation, it can be really, you know, mm-hmm. hard. And you can kind of, in your, you know, be careful with your own thoughts and your own mind. Have somebody there that you, you trust and can help protect you as well in that situation. Do you think it is okay? I know you kind of answered this a little bit. Do you, you said you don't have to be friends with everyone. Do you think it's okay in that situation where somebody were to come back to you and say, I want to rebuild trust? And you say, No, thanks. I'm good with forgiveness. Yeah, that, we, that's all I'm called to. <laughs> I don't know, you know, where. Uh, yeah, I think it's fine to say, Why do you want to be friends? Is reconciliation fully, like, yeah, I don't, yeah, always the end game? This is because a lo- I do think. Yeah, it's a big question yes, and issue for people, right? Right. It is a big question. And there was a time in my ministry that I, I was really idealistic. Uh, <laughs> and I, I would say, you know, full restoration is, is, the, is the biblical mandate here. In other words, you're going to return to how your relationship used to be. But now I've realized some relationships never had functionality. Mm-hmm. They were never healthy relationships. They never got off to a good start. There yeah. was no functionality, no health in the relationship. There's really not a return. There's not a point at which we can return to. We never want to go back to how it started. Yeah. So I do think if someone approaches you and there has been forgiveness, there's been repentance, and they say, basically, why can't we be friends again? I think you can say, hey, we can both take communion in good conscience. Hmm. That's the goal here, that, that we're not dishonoring Christ. And when I take communion, I have no outstanding unforgiveness towards somebody and they have none against me. So if that's the case, you're free to choose whoever you want to be friends with. We don't have to be buddy-buddy with anybody. Mm. Um, so the notion of full reconciliation is a really a loaded notion yeah. because it, it has this implied, I have to be bestest mm. buddies with everybody. 
I, that's just unrealistic. Mm-hmm. If you're in the the party that has done the offending uh, or abusing, I mean, you called it out on Sunday when you asked people to stop. I mean, that mm-hmm. was that was good stuff. If you are um, so if let's say in this scenario, I've I've abused you or I've broken our yeah. trust or whatever, yeah. stolen from you, hurt you, whatever, and you've forgiven me. Mm-hmm. We've gotten to that place. Now I come back to you and say, Hey Kelly, I want trust back. And you're like, No. I'm I've forgiven. I can take communion in clear conscience. I think you can too. Um what if what if that doesn't work for me? Tough, Do I keep tough poo, man? Yeah, okay. Well, I, I, there are yeah. people that go after yeah. people over yeah. and over and over because their self-esteem or whatever mm-hmm. yeah, I is would say, built I, I, on. It's great. I would say, listen, uh, you're not the Holy Spirit in my life. I've got the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit gives me an indicator on this, and yeah. I'll let you know. Yeah. Um, and if you're not willing to take no, this is a great indication I, of the reason why. Right. Mm-hmm. I have no interest in... You, your, your identity is still wrapped up yeah, in what's, something what that's... What the heck? Back yeah. off. What the heck? <laughs> so I... I and, and, and if you were tempted to, to re-engage, go slowly. Here's something I have learned is time alone does not heal wounds. Mm-hmm. Jesus heals wounds in Over time. time. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so waiting around without a plan is not going to bring healing. I mean, I have scars from childhood that they're not going away. They're just thick and braided scars on mm-hmm. my soul. Mm. I need Jesus to touch those scars uh, so that I act healthy and more fully functional. Mm. So we need Jesus to work. And, and that takes time. So go slowly and then be deliberate. Um, these, these, you know, if, if you're going to restore relationship, you're going to be best buddies with somebody that there was formerly abuse in the relationship, man, you've got to have a plan there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, to be fair, there's a lot of people at our church that they barely have the margin for a relationship external out, out of their side of their family, right? Like mm-hmm. going to work, come home, you got young kids, you know, I mean, really <laughs> Matt, like. Matt's really tired today. He was up all night. Matt wants you to know he has no margin for any friendship. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> no, but man, the, the margin that you do make, man, make it fun. Mm-hmm. Like make sure it's fun if you're in that season. Like, yeah. you know, there's other seasons where you may have, it may be good for you to have a tough relationship. Maybe God's doing something there, maybe. But you've got to have room for it or else it's not going to go well for anybody. Mm-hmm. Well, I love, Kelly, the back to the plan, always being prepared. And, and just as an almost side note, in beginning relationships that you want to be healthy and from the start and stay healthy, a great way to do that is to plan and be deliberate and take time in those relationships, too. So that they start in a healthy place and then can remain healthy and, and hopefully avoid some, some hurt and abuse. Yeah. All right. So the final question is just about, it's about um, specific verses in your sermon and what they felt was omitted. So why didn't you finish the passage of scripture? What are we to make of the last portion of the passage, Luke seventeen seven to 10? Seems random and out of place to me. Yeah, so I didn't get to the whole passage. Um, I just felt on my heart, wanted to hit really thoroughly on this notion of forgiveness and the challenges around offering forgiveness. Uh, And then the balance of the passage kind of puts an exclamation point on our duty. So I'll read it real quick. It's a a little um, 
um, parable, but basically, suppose one of you has a servant plowing or looking after sheep. So this person is a servant. Will he say to the servant, will the master or the Lord say, when he comes in from the field, come along now and sit down to eat? Won't he rather say to the servant, prepare my supper, get yourself ready and wait on me while I eat and drink? After that, you may eat and drink. So this guy was out in the field plowing, caring for sheep. He comes in. Now it's his responsibility to fix the dinner uh, as well in the house. And then he says, will he thank the servant because he did what he was told to do? So you also, when you have done everything you were told to do, should say, we are unworthy servants. We've only done our duty. It's so the passage overall, these first 10 verses are basically, number one and two, don't cause others to stumble. Verses three and four, forgive those who sin against you, who have caused you to stumble, who have offended you, forgive them. Five and six, even the smallest amount of faith can, can actualize our forgiveness. We need not live in bitterness. And verses seven to 10 there, it's our duty to serve the Lord and his people this way. So it's, it's just kind of a... I, I didn't feel urgent to get to them, is, is my answer. Why didn't I finish it? And I, I think the application is actually pretty straightforward. This posture of forgiveness is really our duty as believers. Um, it's who we are. It's what we're called to do. And so... Yeah, it's, it, it's, it actually sets up the, the next section, I which think. Which is John's world. Yeah, this sets, sets up the next section. It's really, it's really setting up you're a servant, you're not God, God doesn't owe you anything, you, you're... Which is good news, because if, if we could merit heaven, it kind of puts an exclamation point on the fact that what we receive from God is because mm-hmm. God's gracious, right? not because he's obligated. Right. We are his servants. Right. Yeah, it's your, it's your, you know, we forgive because he has done so much in our lives, we should be quick to forgive others, because he was so quick to forgive us, and... It's kind of a setting up of your like, servant. And the ESV actually breaks it out. It's, the NIV includes it. Right. Yeah. Right. Come to the Lord. Right. That's all the questions we have for you today. Like any questions, garden. comments, or concerns, don't hesitate. Text the next like podcast, 620-474-6161. Our podcast is dedicated to answering listener questions on two levels, answering specific questions about last Sunday's sermon, and also general questions regarding broader topics within the Christian faith. We love God and believe that scripture is a primary means for getting to know him. And our hope is that this podcast extends the learning opportunity for all who want to know God better, strengthening not only your faith, but my faith and our faith together. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, listeners, for tuning in. We will sing a new song because death is dead and gone with the river. We will sing a new song. Boom! Prophecy.